0: that I have to convince of the glory of what it means to be a husband and a wife, but I I get often this strange feeling from younger people uh, that um, that is a little bit archaic. In fact, I can tell you that even among our own youth, uh, that questions about sexuality are up on the table. Uh, Who is to say uh, if a loving couple of the same sex uh, care deeply for one another, why would they not be able to be married? Now, I have to be careful with this because uh, I don't want uh, the subject that we talk about to be about um, homosexuality, the rightness or wrongness of it. What I want us to talk about, and what we've been talking about is cosmology, which is the order of things And how do we know what we know? I mean, who is to say? Uh, Of course, as a minister of the gospel, we believe that the Bible is God's word. God has spoken to us about it, and he's spoken very clearly about these things in the book of Genesis. And so if you would, I would uh, like for you to turn to a very uh, momentous passage... In Genesis chapter 1, beginning with verse 24, And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so, and God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you that you are the God uh, that we can know, the God who has revealed himself to us, a good and gracious God. A God who we see in our text that everything that you make, you make with excellence. And you declare it is good. And when you created us in your image, you declared that it is very good. Father, we ask that you would help us understand your word. To know that our true dignity of who we are as human beings comes uh, from you. And so, Lord, we ask that you would bless our time as we begin to understand over the next few weeks what it means to be created in your image and how that is to be carried out in our life and how the gospel restores that broken image and recreates us in the image of Jesus Christ. And we ask these things in his name and for his sake. Amen. If you were to read the Bible through, uh, you would see that the Bible really is a unified book. It's a book that begins in Genesis. It tells us our origins. Uh, It begins with humans being created in the image of God. And and, and at the end of the book, after the fall and the restoration, uh, we see that the Bible ends with a city coming down from heaven in the book of Revelation. Uh, Even uh, those who are less than Orthodox scholars, uh, those who I've studied uh, over the years, would agree that the Bible is this consistent theme of creator, creature, fallen creature, uh, redemption, and restoration. Now here's where we are so far. This is the third sermon on Genesis chapter 1. Now what we've said in in Genesis 1 verses 1 and 2, what we learn uh, in those two verses is that God spoke and the material world came into existence. That he transcends the creation. And then we see in the following verses, in days 1 through 5 that we looked at, Is that God takes uh, what He has spoken into existence that verse 2 tells us uh, was void and dark and chaos, and He begins to speak by fiat. And when He speaks, there is place, and then there's the filling of the place. That God is filling His creation it's very clear that what the text is teaching us is that God brings order out of the chaos. God is the God of order. Now, every theologian would tell you that all of these verses that we have studied, the whole creation, the penultimate of it is the text that we've just read. That the entire universe was created an earth for a place for man to dwell. To be created in the image of God and to be vice regents with God. And to have fellowship with Him. And to be fruitful and to multiply and fill the earth uh, with the glory of God through image bearers. And all theologians believe that. The significance of the dignity of what it means to be a human being. Now, next week I'm going to go into more detail. Because in our text, he tells us not only are we created in his image, but we will see that he created us male and female. Ish and Isha, which literally means male man and female man he created us. And then he also talks about how we as as men and women are vice regents to have dominion over the earth. And we'll talk about what does it mean to be uh, in the image of God in the work and the things that we do and carry out life and how we carry out life. But what I want us to look at just for, for a moment, because I really want to spend the bulk of our time next week, but I want us to look at what does it mean to be in the image of God? What does that mean? What is the significance of it? What, is it, what does it mean to be in the image of God? And because we know that that image is a little bit fractured, what does it look like to be restored? That that image is stored. Ultimately, to be restored when we see Christ face to face. Uh, so the first thing that we see is the, is the importance uh, of this doctrine. Uh, notice in verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. You know, one of the main questions that we have to ask ourselves is exactly what does it mean to be human? There are a lot of ideas that are out there about what it means to be Human. I mean, we certainly begin to separate the glory of what it means to be, according to the scripture, to be male man and female man uh, that are created in his image. Uh, we certainly have egalitarian notions uh, that are, 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 are destroying the, the understanding of any kind of distinctions, uh, not only among the sexes, but even between employer and employee. So the question is. How does one determine how they think about themselves and how they think about others? Especially, how do we relate to each other in community? I mean, it's one thing to be an individual, but it's another thing what are the rules that regulate and guide us how we're going to have relationships in this room? How do you have relationships in a family? What does it mean to be a mother, and what does it mean to be a father? Uh, exactly uh, how does economics work if everything is equal and the same and everybody has the same job. A good friend of mine named Tommy Allen who will be speaking to the men's group uh, this spring at our men's retreat, Uh, I remember him telling the story of uh, a newspaper article that he read in the Chicago Tribune. And he said that the title of the story was The Irony of Being Human. Uh, And it was a reporter who had come to a hotel, and the story uh, takes place at this hotel about two different people on two different floors. Uh, One was a woman who had decided to have an affair. She was having an ongoing affair with another man. And uh, she had a husband and uh, two or three children. So she shows up at the hotel to meet uh, her, the person she's having the affair with. And he ended up not showing up. It was a no-show. And so she had a 38 caliber and shot herself. And before she uh, killed herself, she wrote a note... And the note said, "Do not cry for me. I am not even human anymore." And so they had that story. And then, apparently, a few stories below, there was a conference uh, with that was uh, holding uh, a New Age seminar. And then, in that conference, the the celebrity was chanting with uh, all the people there, "I am God." I am God. I am God. Uh, two different people, two different situations, certainly two different views of what it means to be a human being. So what does it mean to be human? I mean, who are you? What, 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 what identifies you? How do you know who you are and how you're to operate uh, in reality? Well, our text says that we're in the image of God. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment the original audience this hearing this. You remember how we talked about every, every passage of Scripture has a context? That Moses wrote the Pentateuch? And so he's writing to a people who've been redeemed, who are in slavery for 400 years. He's trying to get them to understand that as they wanted to go back to Egypt, no, you're actually wanting to go back to the garden and the garden no longer exists. The only way that we're going to find true redemption and restoration is to move forward. And so he writes Genesis to help them understand how far we have fallen. But in that context, here they are and they're reading that all human beings from the very beginning who have the same source of parents of Adam and Eve are created in the image of God. Now, do you know what their worldview was? Their worldview was that only Pharaoh was created in the image of God. That they were just slaves to the one who is in the image of God. Uh, Kind of 400 years of brainwashing, that there's no hope, their lives have no value, there's no meaning. And now here they are reading and hearing the law read that they're created in the image of God. Now, what is the significance of that? Well, I I would certainly say that it has had a, a great significance on the West and on how we think. Uh, there are a number of implications for what it means to be created in the image of God. In the first is our self-image. Would you say your self-image is important? Like if you're 10 years old or 12 years old or 15 years old or 30 years old. Uh, we talk about self-esteem. Uh, we talk about self-worth, self-authenticity, self-glory, uh, self-actualization. Uh, and so we place a lot of emphasis on the self and what is it, the significance of the self. And yet, if we're going to be consistent, apart from a Christian worldview, certainly in a scientific worldview, we would say that human beings are animals that are complex. But certainly, uh, that's the extent of it. Uh, I heard somebody quote G.K. Chesterton when he was talking about uh, politicians. He said, uh, they say that all war is a waste of life. And then the philosopher says that all of life is a waste of time. I believe that apart from Genesis 1 and what we learn from God himself, that he deliberated on man. I mean, everything else is fiat. God said, let there be, let there be. And there were the plants. And there were the animals. And there's the universe. But then when it came to man rolling the dice, it says, let us make man in our image. There's not fiat. There is this divine counsel. And you have the first hints of the Trinity that's there. No one would tell you that this is teaching a doctrine of the Trinity. But looking back throughout the scriptures, we see that God is consulting in the Godhead about the creature that he would make in his image. Now what does that mean? The Christian doctrine says that God does not make junk. You have inherent value. Now, let me tell you why this doctrine is important. Especially maybe this morning, if you're feeling like you're worthless. Or maybe you failed some tests this week, or maybe you sensed some rejection by others, and maybe your parents said something that was very damaging to you. I remember years ago, I was out in the lobby. It was a cold winter morning. And uh, there was a homeless uh, man, and his name was Dennis. I got to know Dennis over the years. And so we had an early morning prayer meeting, and I'd open the doors about 6, and uh, Dennis came in. And um, so I got Dennis a cup of coffee. And uh, Dennis began to share with me his sense of helplessness. That uh, he had no real value, that he thought about suicide. And he was holding this styrofoam cup of coffee in his hands. And I said, Dennis, I want you to look at your hands. And I want you to see how you have the right amount of pressure on that cup. And how you have the ability with your brain to take that cup and put it at the right spot on your lips, not in your ear or up your nose. And I said, Now, Dennis, I want you to know something. There's no computer that can do that. Maybe they can now, I don't know. Who knows what they can do. But you know what? Computers, they can never be. But God has created us to be. And you know what, Dennis, when I said, Dennis, let me tell you something. You are created in the image of God. And you know what this hardened 55-year-old man did? He began to weep. And he said, you know, Pastor, no one has ever said that to me. You see, this is the significance of where we find our self-image. It's not in ourselves. But in the fact that we reflect the glory of who God is. This affects how we treat other people, doesn't it? How do you treat other people? You treat them as image bearers, or as C.S. Lewis says, people who will dwell either in heaven or hell forever. That's their dignity. Did they have a soul that can never die? Yesterday uh, morning, yesterday afternoon, <clears throat> I was uh, walking to the public from my hotel. And there was a young man I saw a few, uh, maybe a block away. And he was uh, speaking uh, to a woman, and I could tell that what he was doing was asking her for help. And I was uh, observing this woman's relationship with this man. And rather than just simply saying, hey, you know, I don't have any money, uh, she uh, was very clear just watching the body language, there was kind of a disdain toward him. And so as I'm getting ready to pass by him, and I know he's probably going to hit me up next, I saw his pain. He probably wasn't twenty-five, twenty-six 25, 26 years old. And uh so as I was walking by, I just simply said, uh, that was hurtful, wasn't it? So it looks like you were really hurt. And he said, he said, Yeah, man, everybody treats me like and I can't say it. You know what? That's be- the reason he felt that way is because whatever brokenness he had in his own life, whatever he had brought upon himself, he is still in the image of God and he knows inherently that he is not to be treated with indignity. So, this affects how we treat one another. You know, I just took some time to talk to him. I'm not saying this like, oh, how you've got this figured out. You're a great guy. But I just started talking to him. He was from Houston, Texas. I started asking him how he got where he got. how he arrived at this situation. So we talked. I went and bought him a sandwich. And then I prayed with him. And, uh, and I prayed his name before the Father in heaven. And told him, you know what? I don't know you, I'll never see you again, but I promise you this, that if you would turn to the Father, you'll find out who you are. So the image of God affects our own self-image, it affects how we treat other, other people. Now let me tell you, more to a philosophical level, uh, the image of God has all kind of implications on how we are to understand Rights. What is a right? I remember in the healthcare debate, the the the, the one of the um, one of the arguments is that everyone has a right to universal healthcare. I'm not arguing for one way or the other. You understand that? But the ultimate question ends up being, who is to say, apart from a view that human beings are created in the image of God? Not to be oppressed, not to be put in chaos, uh, but who's to say who should be not be in tyranny and who should be in tyranny? Uh, the, the, the whole understanding of rights, and I don't have time to, to give all the data on this, uh, but it really comes from a Christian view of reality. I mean, if you look, you say, no, well, wait a minute. The Greeks, uh, the Greeks uh, certainly had an influence on the West. They did. But if you read many of the original writers, they certainly lump people as groups of people that are more dignified than others. But from the very beginning, if you see the birth of the church, abortion was absolutely abhorrent to the original Christians. Why? Because they understood this grace doctrine... That God is the one who creates us in the womb. That we have inherent dignity at birth. It was Christians uh, who came into a culture that was very violent. uh, That spared the children who were put on the walls to be eaten by the walls. It was Christians who began to care not only for their poor and those who were needy but also for the needs of others. And so this was galvanized into the Western mindset that human beings have inherent rights because we are absolutely created in the image of God. So what happens? What happens to a culture that begins to move away from this Christian understanding that is more than private religion, but was always understood under the reign of Jesus Christ that we're to be doctors and lawyers and politicians and moms and teachers to the glory of God. We're to be salt and light in the world. Salt being a preservative to keep the world from rotting. Well, what has happened, I think, in many ways, uh, Christian the Christian mind was lost many, many years ago, and we've backed up, we've become very pious people, and the world, slowly but surely, has been taken over by a different mindset. And I think that's where we are. What happens when the image of God is lost? Well, people don't have the capacity to make moral choices. Uh, They see uh, preference over uh, virtues, values over virtues. So those are the implications of being in the image of God. But what does it mean? So what does it mean? Let me just spend, I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this, and then one last thing is how do we restore this? What what does it mean? I want to talk about this more next week. What does it mean to be in the image of God? Will it... So an image is simply, in the Hebrew word here, is a reflection. Um, that The theologians talk about the incommunicable and the communicable attributes of God. Communicable attributes are those attributes that God has that we now have. That when you're born in the image of God, you have his communicable attributes, that you can be wise and think, uh, that you can be holy and good, and grow in knowledge uh, that you can process, that you can analyze. That we are gloriously made in His image. That we're to be a reflection of who God is. The difference between God and us is that He has incommunicable attributes, and He is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in all those attributes that He has given us that he is infinitely, eternally, and unchangeably knowledgeable. There's nothing he can learn, or else he'll cease to be who he is. But we, in his image, that we can learn and grow in wisdom, that we can create and have impact in our spheres of influence, that we are to subject ourselves to his reign so that we might reach our full potential of what he has called us to be, is those who are reflecting uh, his glory. We're to be in relationships with each other. I mean, this is what it means to be in His image, that we have relationships. Again, God says, let us make man in our image. We have the eternal uh, fellowship within the Godhead. And so when he's created us, he has created us to be in fellowship. That's how we know who we are, is in our relationships with other people. Let me just say this. If some of you, and I don't know who you are, I don't have any faces coming up in my brain right now, but I can tell you this. God has ordained the church is the place where we know him and know one another and know who we are. Uh, This is why it's important for you never to neglect coming on Sunday morning. This is why it's important for you to be in community groups where you bring all your brokenness, uh, where you share your lives together. It's where you learn what you can and you can't do. I'm thankful I'm the youngest of six boys because my brothers were always saying, you can't do that. Uh, But you can do that. So we're meant to be in relationships. That's what it means to reflect who God is. But ultimately, if you really want to know what God is like, I always ask people, well, well, just describe to me your best friend. And they say, well, my best friend knows who I am. They're faithful. They're loyal. They accept me for who I am, even when I'm wrong. They continue to pursue me. And I say, well, that's who God is. It's just that he's infinitely, eternally, and unchangeably that way. Last thing to see is this well, what can we do about this image that has been so broken? Because you know, we're not always truthful, are we? Uh, We're not always faithful. We're not always kind, and we're not always gracious. So how is it that we begin to restore the image of God in our own lives? Well, The New Testament tells us that we are to be uh, recreated in Jesus Christ, that we are to be recreated in His image. Well, how does that take place? Well, the way that that takes place as that ultimately when God created us, he created us the first thing to look up and to behold him. And as we begin to know him, and as Adam and Eve would have grown in the knowledge of God, they would have begun to reflect who he is, rather than the opposite of that. So the way that we grow in Christ, and the way that we become image bearers who are salt and light in this world, is that we behold who he is. We, we study to know who He is. And the more that we move toward Him, and our faces are toward Him, and not toward our wives, or our husbands, or our church, or all these other things that are going to bring us meaning and glory versus looking to Him. But it's in bearing His image, I mean looking at Him, and beholding His glory. That we begin to become like Him. And we become image bearers. And we fulfill the great commandment to fill the earth with image bearers. It's just now we do it in humility and brokenness through looking to Christ and in our weakness being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, next week we're going to look more detail. This is just kind of a basic overview. Uh, What does it mean to be created as male and female? What does it mean to have dominion over the earth? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are indeed with us today. Lord, you have written eternity in our hearts. Father, you have given us uh, the image of God stamped upon us. And Lord, we confess to you that we ignore that image, break that image, uh, sin against that image, and yet in your grace and your mercy, you have restored us in Jesus Christ. So Lord, as we come to the Lord's Supper, I pray that we might behold Jesus, that we might see your mercy and your grace that your Father's face was turned away from you so uh, his face might be turned toward us. And so, Lord, we pray that you would bless this time of communion as we reflect upon the mercy and grace of God who has recreated us in Jesus Christ. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. Those uh, coming serving?